Melanie Griffith remakes, Dwayne Johnson resets, and Chris Rock presides this week on 30 2010. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a wonderful little journey across three decades of pop culture milestones and anniversaries. Woo, boy! Uh, and we're recording this week from March 24th through the 30th, across three decades in 1993, 2003, and 2013. See what happened 30, 20, and 10 years ago in pop culture, movies, TV, a little bit of news here because it relates to pop culture. It never stops depressing me. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? Hi, I'm Diana Goodman, and we could call this Oscar Week, not because it's great and there's awards, but because it's trash. Trash, baby. <laughs> this is a very, very... I love it because it's trash. Yeah. <laughs> and who else is with us? I'm J.R. Rawls, and the DOD says I can't come out of retirement. <laughs> they didn't say anything about re-enlisting. Oh, God, this is... Oh, no. Yeah, this is a... Uh... I, 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 we're familiar with this, but the movies seem shittier than usual. They're like remarkably shitty. This nothing will top Boat Trip, but like, holy <laughs> no, lord! No, no. Oh, did I have some of the stuff in the first segment? Like you can't even find anymore. <laughs> it is like that obscure, but not the greatest time for movies. But some notable ones to mention, nonetheless. Also important to mention our fourth mic. Patreon.com slash laser time. Yeah, thank you guys so much for uh, supporting us. Give us five bucks or a dollar or twenty dollars, whatever you can spare. Patreon.com slash laser time. We'll give you extra stuff. Anyway, let's move on. March 24th through the 30th, 1993. Let's begin with a little bit of news. Jiang Zemin, appointed president of the People's Republic of China. What is it with yeah. March and these guys getting new presidents? Is it just a thing they do? Is it it's like how tenure. we inaugurate everyone so, on January 20th? Before the current dictator of China, they really kind of stuck to the 10-year limit. Because oh. China was really trying to be like, no, no, let's not go down the dictator route. And then uh, with Z, they were like, nah, dictator. That's awesome. Let's go with that. Dictator. Mm. My I mean, least favorite potato chips. He, he knows where all the stuff is. I can never find the scissors, but he knows where the scissors are. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> and in, in other news that I was very much paying attention to, Brandon Lee is accidentally killed on the set of The Crow this week. He was 28 years old. 20 years after his dad. 20 years after yeah. his dad. Uh, 20 years after his dad died under odd circumstances. But uh, so it's cursed. No, they're not. They're incredibly unlucky. God damn it, this Isn't makes that me so fucking mad. what being cursed is? <laughs> I feel like cursed implies intentionality, okay. you know? Like yeah. Some, something happened to make them super unlucky. And I, I've God read about it. this numerous times, and the best I can figure, there was a remnant of... They still, they were using real... They still use real... Alec Baldwin is using a real firearm on the set of that Rust movie. He's currently fighting in court. They use right. real firearms in blanks, and... There was a piece of the previous munition inside the barrel of the gun and the blank, even yep. though the bullet part is the thing that goes through you is removed. Yeah. It's still. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's well, still... Well, let, me, let me explain it this way. All right. So a bullet is made up of projectile casing, gunpowder. So um, there's two kinds of fake bullets. There's blanks, which are powder, no bullet. And there are dummy rounds, which look like real bullets, which are bullet, no powder. 
and both are safe separately. Yep. On the set of The Crow, they they needed some dummy rounds, but they didn't have any, so they made their own by taking apart real bullets, taking the gunpowder oh. out, putting them back together. So they were shoddily made. They did some shots where there was a, a dummy round in there, and the trigger was pulled, so the, the little primer, the little thing that sparks it, was enough to shove that little bit of bullet into the barrel. Just a little bit. They did not clear it. They did not check it. They put the, they put uh, blanks in it, which so now you have a projectile and gunpowder together. And it's the scene where he is shot in the stomach and killed. And yep. that's exactly what happened. Uh, I feel so bad for Michael Massey, the the actor that pulled the trigger. I, he, I, no I, one, I read another. No one knew what happened at first. Like he was supposed to fall yeah. forward, he fell backward, and they're like, yeah. Brandon, yeah, you and, fucked up the shot. I, I think there's been a lot of odd testimony. Like the gun was accidentally fired because I think they wanted to. Nobody wants to take the blame for anything like this, and it's not homeboy's fault. You know what is funny? I was reading uh, the director of John Wick, Chad Stahelski, the director of the John Wick movies. He was Brandon Lee's stunt double. No shit. And he really he, and he yeah he just responded. They asked him about the Alec Baldwin incident. And he's like, if you know, it, like people know his background. Like I don't fuck that. There's no reason to have real munitions of any kind on set. There's CG. There's electronic stuff they used stuff that i'm not even aware of because if you look at john wick what the fuck is going that's point blank to people's head if something Mm. they so the dude's like no fucking way it's just lazy and part of the hollywood machine is that they have all these real fucking guns in what do you call it wardrobe or props like that's what they Mm. are and then they'd have to rebuild their whole prop department so just don't but yeah he's like no we would never ever use live ammunition anywhere near the set of john wick there's like 60 headshots per per half hour in that movie yeah and even putting a a blank filled gun to your head and pulling the trigger that has killed people that that guy on that uh that soap opera set in the 80s holy shit it turned he put a blank uh a, what it was a blank cartridge he put the gun to his head mm-hmm. and fired it. his skull became the bullet that went through his yeah. brain because of the yeah. force of that it just seems so silly that we still do this mm-hmm. yeah it's just i mean obviously this came up a lot with you know the, the shooting on the set of rust and why is there just a full-on live round mm-hmm. on a set and it really got into the idea of like should actors check their own guns or should they not George Clooney, in particular, is very adamant people should check their own guns. Why? Because he knew Brandon Lee. They hung Mm. out. And so that's one of his things. But then there's other actors, like what Alec Baldwin was saying, is like, I'm not the fucking specialist. The armorer is the specialist. I don't want to fuck anything up. Right. I I really understand both points. I just don't understand the point of using real guns at this point like that that just doesn't make any sense at all at all yeah i I have no idea if there's still a bit of the special effects cgi looks fake versus a real blank i I was i I was looking into the other stuff there's elect there's electronic charges where there's like no nothing no barrel for anything to fly out of like you you can still detonate a little flash in in a muzzle without cg like there just isn't any reason to do it it's just what is available in most prop departments real guns uh what the fuck what the fuck? It's just unbelievable. We still have to t- like talk, address something like this, and just how fucking unlucky Brandon Lee was. Like so many people survive handgun shots from the, that distance in this little mm-hmm. tiny thing. Well, he had a ruptured disc in his back, and he was on a lot of drugs. He had a history of seizures, oh, so shit. he he had some 
factors going into it that weren't great. He was, he was I, wonder, un- I wonder if any of those medications were blood thinners. Maybe. But yeah, it, that it, would do it. It said he's unconscious immediately. And like, yeah. it's a handgun. Like, it's just, yeah, people s- survive those kind of shots all the time it, with a full bullet. And it just that this took him down. It just sucks so much. Yep. Uh, the, it really sucks. He was going to get married a couple of weeks later. The Crows uh, is first like, big starring role. Like he's done a couple of things already. We talked about what Rapid Fire, Showdown in Little Tokyo. And, you know, this is a time where you've got, uh, you know, your Jean-Claude Van Damme. So you have kind of a B-level action yeah. star. And he was totally Rapid getting Fire was, into Rapid Fire was good. He, was, he showed yeah. so much promise. Like, to be fair, like anybody could have done The Crow from the final product because they kind of had mm-hmm. to. But like, yeah, he showed huge promise in Rapid Fire. I was very pleased with that rewatching that movie for this show yeah and it's just yeah i so unfair (laughs) if he hadn't been killed a hundred percent he would have been in expendables one two and three you know i really think he was (laughs) on the trajectory to be like he would he wouldn't have been an arnold but he would have been a workmanship like action star all throughout the night he could have been a seagull like someone people like working with and doesn't have to work actually you know what Uh, bringing up uh, john wick i i think he would have taken keanu's corner a little bit yeah uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, can maybe. can can you see him in uh, in Point Break? That kind of thing. Yeah, 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 maybe. yeah. Actually, yeah, they have kind of the same build, same haircut. Yeah, um, they give off kind of a similar vibe of like they seem like okay, but they will fuck you up when it comes down to it. And it just it's such a bummer because I mean, even more so than the movie, the soundtrack was so big that oh like footage God. from the. <laughs> This movie, when we get Everyone to talk about it. Sorry, okay. this but, movie, but, it is it is a it is a foundational goth literature. I want to I want to watch it because I never loved it, but like it's it, we don't think about it like this, but that became a pretty lucrative franchise. Games, uh, multiple multiple well, sequels that he just. I don't know about you, but it was all over the playground. I mean, that is. I wasn't watching the news, hearing about yeah. Brandon Lee. It was just like, oh my gosh, this guy got killed in a superhero film where his character gets killed, and oh my gosh, isn't that deep? Okay, fourteen-year-olds, yeah. calm down. Uh, it's a comic book movie. They were killing people this whole time. I mean, we were desperate for comic. And in, in the uh, the only silver lining and it sucks that it had to occur this way the insurance from his death ended up kind of pioneering facial cg technology in order to reinsert him back and complete the movie i'm not sure without the insurance that production could have mounted that and and imagine how much they learned that wasn't really we haven't even got to jurassic park yet and yeah we'll we'll talk about it when it comes but i my memory is it wasn't great chris it's it's hidden with a lot of darkness and rain but like it was the first of that people learning to do that. Like they had to do that. They, with, with a lot of re this is when the movie is <laughs> Brandon Lee is a rap on production this week. The movie's not out for another 12 months. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, movie yeah, it was most, mostly done. And yeah, that's tr- like how many other movies have we had now that somebody dies towards the end of production and, and they figure out a way to, to keep them in. Mm-hmm. I mean, Oliver Reed and, uh, Gladiator being the big example, and I, it'll be interesting to watch those side by side when we get to the Crow and see like how how did things change over seven years technology wise? Yeah, I think probably a lot. <laughs> yeah, pretty majorly, and uh, I mean you can see a lot of it on just Mandalorian. Anyway, moving on to the movies uh, that did come out in 1993. It's just so unfair. Yeah, right. yeah, it sucks. I just I can't go. It's like I, I'm just overwhelmed by this feeling of like. I want a do-over. What the fuck? Yeah, it's it's not fair in the slightest for him to die on set as his father did in the middle. Well, of, he didn't 
die on set. He died in the middle of filming something. You're right. Yeah. Ooh, let's all watch go go watch Game of Death. Okay. <laughs> we we can't. We have to talk about uh, the Death. Peter Gallagher he movie. Fights Kareem. He fights Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, and then the, anyway. the movies that did come out this week, not the Chrome. Uh, I'm just trying to not talk about them. Can you tell? I'm just, yeah. I'm just vamping because I don't. Uh... Actually, no. There's one in here I like. All right. Really? Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three is still number one at the box office because look what it's up against. Uh, watch it with Peter Gallagher, Susie uh, Amos, and John C. McGinley. I tried. It is not not available to watch in any way. <laughs> no, and and this is the one that I would recommend out of all of these. Mm-hmm. Um, which blows because um, it's it's kind of a fun little indie movie about these um, like old friends and things just kind of boring, but they have like this prank war going on this, like this mm-hmm. long time prank war. And then like this other guy gets into it and the pranks start to get really fucking serious and deadly. Yeah. I it's want... tiny. It's indie. It's got like a ton of up and comers in it. And I think it's two, and... it's over two years old at this point. Yeah. Just getting released now. Yeah, and it's like it's almost impossible to watch it for watch it. Watch it, yes, watch it. You can't. And uh, same thing happened to me with uh, Ron Silver, Sybil Shepherd, Mary Stuart Masterson, uh, Robert Sean Leonard, Soccer Channing, and Bo Bridges, and married to it, married to it. <sighs> what can I tell you? It kind of sounds like Parenthood, but without the kids as much and more with the parents. I also I couldn't get around to watching this. It's hard to find. But, you know, married couples and their married couple problems, they, they, they're different kinds of couples and they have different kinds of problems. And uh, also, is this the one you're going to go to bat for? Martin Sheen, D.B. Sweeney, no, Marley No, I'm Matt going Lund? to bat for Watch It. Okay, because I okay. saw it like 25 years ago and liked it, but now I can't fucking find it. Also, it's got Tom Sizemore in it, R.I.P. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and Lily Taylor. Come on, I will always show up for Lily Taylor. But out this week, Marley Matlin's, Matlin's Hear No Evil. I, I hope so. I was hoping she would compensate. But I mean, literally, she can't. I know. So. What the fuck? Oh, I uh, yeah. It's it's tough to build movies around people with disabilities, and I wish they had better movies about people with disabilities, starring people with disabilities. This kind of it kind of sounds like Wait Until Dark, but with a deaf person instead of a blind person. I, I was going to say that if you want a good movie like that, Wait Until Dark exists. Wait Until Dark is mm. fucking great, uh, even though it doesn't star an actual blind person. But saying, uh, Marley Matlin, like a, a guy hides like a treasure on her and then the bad guys are coming to get her. And I guess there's a point where Martin Sheen tries to kill her. So if, if you want to see President Bartlett try to kill that one <laughs> consultant. <laughs> uh. I don't care. And I don't care. I have a feeling this is going to be a big don't care from Diana as well, because it is a remake of a classic Don Johnson, John Goodman, Melanie Griffith in Born Yesterday. From Hollywood Pictures. Last night I started thinking and I couldn't fall asleep for 10 minutes. They said Billy Dawn would never be more than a Vegas showgirl. She's more on a stupid side. What do you know? You open beer cans with your teeth. Now they're learning. I'm not taking it anymore. To never underestimate the power. You're Harry's boss. Of an underestimated woman. Am I in the room? Melanie Griffin. John Goodman. Don Johnson. Born Yesterday. Directed by Luis Mandoki. Oh! Mandoki joint did not want to pay to see this because its reviews were not great and there's an original version out there there is an original version out there that is holds up like nobody's business from 1950 starring Judy Holiday which is 80% of Harley Quinn Mm, you want to know what Harley Quinn's voice is based on it's 80% Judy Holiday and Born Yesterday about 20% Gene Harlow 
it's a little creepy also when you watch it and you, you spend a lot of time watching like batman the animated series and then you watch porn yesterday and you're like so when does she turn to crime is she gonna <laughs> is she gonna turn to crime anytime soon uh yeah the original it's really fun it's based on a play which is really fun uh, and this is fine i mean it's it's a pretty straightforward remake i, I give them a little bit of credit that it's a good part for Melanie Griffith because she's got such a, she also has a really high voice. And so she can yeah, seem kind of dumb. And she's kind of a, a darling at the moment coming off a working yeah. girl and uh, not bonfire. Yeah, she's the having a run. And here she is, you know, with her husband, Don Johnson. So mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. And I love that John Goodman gets credit ahead of him. So suck it. And he's fine. Everyone, it's like, it's fine. It just, it, it like, there's just no reason they add nothing to it. They don't make it any more interesting. It just, it's like a photocopy of a photocopy. Just, don't bother. Born yesterday, nineteen fifties, fucking great. It was. In- I guarantee you will laugh at it. It was interesting looking at reviews of the remake at the time, and it's just like, wow, like all these critics have a. I haven't seen the original, or even have it like thrust upon me, and it's clear every critic had, and it's just <laughs> odd to think about that. Like it was, it was still fresh in the minds of most professional film reviewers, and could not get over it. Uh, that movie's only 43 years old. Why are they remaking it? Meh. Meh. <laughs> In hindsight, it's kind of a perfect amount of time. Uh, anyway. Yeah. That's nothing there to recommend. Yeah. Uh, but nope. we got some fun stuff to talk about on television in 1993, March 24th through the 30th. Let's 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 end with the Oscars there. But um, no, 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 yeah, we'll end with the Oscars. Uh, but because Doogie Howser, uh, MD, ends. Uh, it started in 1989, and it, yeah, four seasons and 97 episodes. Like, did someone piss them off? I couldn't. I couldn't quickly find a reason why you would cancel a show like this because it's lived on pretty well. So they moved time slots. Mm. They were actually defeating Seinfeld on the Thursday night time slot. Holy shit! So- Seinfeld wasn't Seinfeld until its later seasons. Okay, it's like, I mean, it's, I know, but Doogie no, Howser's already a couple seasons. Yeah, it's it's like right now Seinfeld is becoming Seinfeld. Yeah. yeah, but uh, they'd moved them to, uh, I think, Monday, and their ratings just crashed, and Neil Patrick Harris had, like, grown a foot since he was cast <laughs> as Doogie, so he didn't quite look like, oh, this incredibly young doctor anymore. It was it, just like, it, okay. It did seem like a part you can very much grow out of, because, like... Uh, twenty-three-year-old doctor, like that supposed to, be, <laughs> that's supposed to be what's happening. Is this? He's got. We got a clip of him on the cancellation. Yeah, yeah. It was on TV at a time when syndication then started happening when you ran four seasons. So I think more people feel that it ran for a decade, and in point of fact, it was kind of unceremoniously canceled. Right. I was actually in Vancouver filming a television movie, and I read in a, a newspaper that the show had been canceled. I didn't feel disrespected by it. All of this is one big business. So I got the gig. I got four years of amazing experiences. You, you didn't. Let's hear from some of the adults on the show or Max Casella or people who aren't on TV a lot anymore. <laughs> We're fucking livid about it. Yeah, I was looking into it. It's, it's not a last episode. They go to Rome. <laughs> See, yeah. but in my, in my mind, mm. I was like, oh, Doogie quits, going, mm. quits being a doctor and decides he's going to just be a kid for a while and go on Rome. But no, that was my mind just completely rewriting the episode, apparently, because it's not a final anything. It's just like, I'll, I'll take a break for a while. But nope, it's the end of Doogie. To me, I'd grown out of Doogie. I remember loving it in its first like two seasons, and then just 
falling off. And I really think it was the Seinfeld move. I think that's, mm. I was just like between Seinfeld and Doogie, it's no choice. Yeah. <laughs> or in living color. That's what I was watching on Thursday night. Cause yeah, I, I was aware of this phenomenon, but I never saw it. So it's syndication. Uh, a, a, another thing, speaking of syndication, um, it was hard to be aware of is young Indiana Jones, young Indiana Jones, a hard <laughs> show to watch. This is the episode where he is part of the Russian revolution. However, I love this about Young Indy. They kind of dig deeper into history than most people. Play this clip. Mm. Closed for today. It's labeled wrong. What? This picture. It's labeled wrong. See what it says here. Young enthusiasts bring Bolsheviks to power. Russia. October 1917. It's definitely the Russian Revolution. And our research department has done extensive studies. This is not October, it's July. And these young enthusiasts didn't bring the Bolsheviks to power. They nearly had them knocked right out of the game. Sir, if you think you know better than experts in the history There's of the There's another period, thing. I... See that kid? Yeah. <laughs> so he's Da Vinci coding. And, and this is yeah, old Indy with the eye patch. It's because he's there. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so everyone knows that the communists won the Rus Russian Revolution, the famous October Revolution. Yes. There was an attempt in July, and they got crushed. And if they would have put more effort into it, they probably would have been completely crushed and completely eliminated and would be a footnote to history. But they held enough force back that they could make a second try. But to me, it, it just really shows that, you know, communism would go on to dominate the 20th century mm -hmm. history, how contingent history is, how little things could have just completely made it completely different. Oh, you have no idea. I am just finishing now the Revolutions podcast, oh. uh, which is fantastic. But it's uh, it's like 200 parts on the Russian Revolution starting in like 1903, I think. And yeah, I had no idea. Like. This was really narrow. I mean, like, we kind of think of it as like, oh, and then the Bolsheviks rose up and they killed the czar and then they were in power. No, no, that's that's not how that worked at all. A bunch of people rose up and they got rid of the czar and then there's a provisional government and there's like 80,000 different parties. But most of them we would all call socialist and they're just fighting amongst themselves and some of them and the commies won by being ruthless fucks. Hmm, pretty, pretty accurate. Much yep. And they, I'm learning they, they about it over the from uh, Mel Brooks' History of the World Part Two, which is the most I've yeah. ever learned about the Russian Revolution. Yeah, well, they, <laughs> I was laughing so hard because they, the they did get the thing right about, no, we're the socialist revolutionaries, and those are the Mensheviks, and those are the Bolsheviks, and those are the revolutionary socialists, and, you know, people's front of Judea type stuff. Yeah, but uh, this episode is an excellent mini history lesson that keeps being fun. Uh, I would love to show it to one of my history classes, honestly. Mm. Nice. Okay, and uh, last episode we got to talk about Quantum Leap. What's this about, Jihar? Oh, this is the last <laughs> season of Quantum Leap where they are throwing out all the rules, all of them. Okay, it's, it says it right there in the title. Sam Beckett can travel within his own lifetime. This is the episode he goes back to the Civil War. Oh. That is so far I, before I his own lifetime. And it's like, well, uh, Ziggy says uh, we need higher ratings, so you're going to the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> How would that generate higher ratings? <laughs> no, the Civil War is a, a history geek's fantasy. More I than mean, people... World War II or <laughs> something like that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's cheaper How to film the Civil War because there's true. always a bunch of geeky Civil War reenactors you can true. pay in mm -hmm. lunch to be your extras. Yay. 
There you go. Budget busting. Good idea. Mm-hmm. And here we have a little promo for that. The future and the past collide. Civil War. I'm my great-grandfather. And Sam fights to change history. Return to the Civil War. Quantum Leap. NBC Next. This is where Scott Bakula becomes his own uh, grandfather. I love that episode. His own great-grandfather. Great-grandfather. Mm. Love Wait, it. so if you can time travel through people in your bloodline... You've just invented Assassin's Creed. Hey. <gasps> hey. Hey. She knows where bread is buttered. Uh, <laughs> Every six months I come up with something from a video game. There you go. <laughs> Man, and uh, uh, the, in video games, a bunch of cool stuff. Oh, I, Oscars, though. Oh, my bad. Yes, this week was 30 years ago was the Oscars. I love trash. <laughs> well, you should be very happy with this Oscar. Uh, this Oscars. I am very happy with this Oscars. Unforgiven uh, does really, really well. Kind of swept everything. Um, yeah, it's uh, picture director, supporting actor for Gene Hackman. Yep, down with all that. Emma Thompson for Best Actress. I guess my big complaint is Al Pacino for Son of a Woman. He was finally due, but he's up against Denzel for Malcolm X, and we just are not okay with those. It's it's such a great performance from Denzel, but like really had a good time with Son of a Woman, and it is it's yeah. the Pacino you've known for thirty years, but it's kind of the first time he he done that. Yeah, I. I appreciate it uh the, the marissa tomei wins for best supporting actress Great. um people think that, Which, that was a mistake yeah people have been talking for 30 years oh they read the name wrong no they're they have said multiple times she really did win but people just i think it was one of those split decision things that's why she won and that's why the yeah. oscars has switched in, to rank in, in hindsight yeah. oh she beat out Judy Davis and Husband and Wives and Joan Plowright and Enchanted April. Miranda Richard and Damage. Nobody knows those movies. <laughs> and yeah, my cousin Vinny is Joan so watchable. Was, Joan Plowright was, was the front runner for Enchanted April because she's kind of, like, think about how much you love Maggie Smith and Downton Abbey. She's kind of doing that. Mm. She's been around for a million years. She's the former Mrs. Olivia. It felt like she was owed something. And so this, this newcomer in this goofy comedy wins, people were kind of surprised I, I do like and then, the uh, Alad- honorary awards oh sorry Alad- aladdin wins best score which i think is the only time basic instinct and aladdin were nominated in the same category there <laughs> look at that take that <laughs> sharon stone's vagina <laughs> alan minkin that's incredible it to uh and uh honorary award to federico fellini oh shit yeah that's yeah, nice. and and the humanitarian award to Liz Taylor, which uh, I remember for her for her work with uh, AIDS research, and I remember her speech was was very moving. It's visual effects, death becomes her costume design, Bram Stoker's okay. Dracula, yeah, I, yeah, best I'll... sound, last of these are all the best movies of last year that we were talking about. Yeah, Outside those of... all fit to me. Those are all death becomes her. Absolutely had the best special oh my effects. God, of yes, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Yes, beautiful. Yeah. And then moving on to video games, a bunch of. Some of my favorite series, and only one of them I have any real experience with. Uh, I never was able to touch Battletoads on Genesis. So, to me, Battletoads on the NES's whole appeal was like it had the best graphics on the NES that I had ever seen. And when it's over on the Genesis, it's just like, well, these are okay Genesis graphics. And now all I've got is a redonkulously hard game. And I really think Battletoads was like, marketed designed by the game genie people to sell game genies because i do not <laughs> know how you can pass this without I, a game genie in 1990 i learned from uh the documentary on rare replay it was uh the rental market 
They, the game was yeah. totally beatable in like one sitting and just like, you need to make this 11,000 times harder because otherwise people will beat it in a weekend. And uh, kind of ruined a real, like the Battle Swords and Battle Maniacs is like the one version of like, oh, this is the perfect mixture between challenging and playable. I love and have done a top five Tiny Toons games, played them all, but I didn't play this when I was a kid. I only played it for that project. Uh, Tiny Toon Adventures Buster's Hidden Treasure. It's exclusive to the Genesis. Did not get to play. They it. should do a collection of Tiny Toon games. Seriously. There's a lot of them out there that are very solid platformers. There's so. even a canceled, I think, GameCube version with all the original voice actors in it. That like, come on, man, wow. let us hear that. And then the one game I not only did I play, I still have the foldout poster that came inside it. I wish I hadn't drawn hair on Professor Xavier as a little kid, but X Men <laughs> Genesis is out. <laughs> yeah, X Men Gen- X Men for the Genesis, or just X Men, like the big X Men game. Um, and yep. ooh, we loved it. I, I tried to play it. Uh, hold up, great. And some of the worst music on this platform. It's a rough platformer. I mean, I really think Nintendo deserves all their billions because their platformers still ha- hold up. Yep. Every time I go back to the past and I play someone else's platformers, I'm just like fighting with the controls. Western. And I was fighting with the controls on this. I was just like, Cyclops, jump. No, j- jump there. Punch that guy. Punch that guy, <laughs> that guy, punch him. Ugh. And uh, technically, this whole game takes place in the danger room. It starts <laughs> out with Magneto pointing his satellite at Earth, and zeros and ones are beaming out to- towards the Earth, and they reprogram the danger room to be dangerous, dangerous in real life. Mm. Yeah. Um, the Sprite Works is great, though. It's a perfect capture of early 90s X-Men. It's a co-op game, which is always nice, but again, it's a little janky. But it has... One of the dumbest ideas, and I can totally see why it did that idea. There is one spot in this game where it tells you that you have to press the button to continue. That's the pretty button? much all the instructions it gives you. And, and you push uh, every button on your controller, and it does nothing. And keep in mind, this is 1993. There's no internet. You can't look up what to do. Diana, you mm-hmm. pushed every button on your controller. What do you do now? Is there a button on screen that, like, my character has to press? There's no touch screen. There's no nothing. Um, turn it off and walk away. There you go. Yeah, you had to push the reset button to continue. What? The reset button on your Genesis in order to no! progress. No! But then I won't progress. It'll restart. Because it's what's but, called. But it's, like, set up. So, like, if you press the reset button just the right amount of time, then the game will continue where you left off except you'll be past this stupid screen. And I can just picture these 1993 game developers going, ah, this is a blow the little kids' minds. Yeah. We're good people. Take Suck it, oh. Kojima. We figured it out first. Uh, yes. And, um, and ooh, ooh, a fun book one. And a book that came out 30 years ago, The New Laird of Castle McDuck by Don Rosa. Uh, yeah, this is part of The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck, which go. is... The best story about Scrooge McDuck that has ever been told, ever. I'm not being hyperbolic there. It is universally loved among Duck fans. If you are not a Donald Duck fan, not a Scrooge McDuck fan, read The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck. And you're going to have to find a used copy because Disney has said they will no longer reprint these stories. Um, What? Why like there the is a zombie in one of these stories who is African-American. Oh. 
it's not like the gross 1940s portrayal. The story is all about Scrooge McDuck learning that he shouldn't exploit uh, colonial native people and that it's wrong to take their stuff. Mm -hmm. But they have decided they're just not going to do that. So what is considered to be the best Scrooge McDuck story of all time, according to Disney, will never be printed again. Huh. The stuff they do print uh, through Fantagraphics, I mean, they, they kind of avoid a lot of the stereotyping of Carl Barks' stuff. But yeah, that's a bummer. Uh, I thought it was available digitally, but I guess it, I'm looking and it's, it's not. And, but if you got $200 to spare, you can pick up a used copy. Oh, the used per- copies are going to be rising in prices. They just announced it like a month ago. Oh, they really? contacted Don Rosa and mm-hmm. said, Mr. Rosa, we will no longer be reprinting your stories. And Don loves Scrooge McDuck hates the walt disney company mm. just like <laughs> loves carl barks loves uh all of his creations uh loves scrooge mcducks he hates the disney company and he is not afraid to tell you so and so he just instantly went on the internet and went this is what they did to me they didn't say why they didn't give any reason this is what they're doing huh so um, hmm. a lot for me to think about there for tying it into some of my some of my own professional exploits anyway uh, I much recommend it if you can get a copy of it. Look for it at a, a garage sale or a used bookstore. 1990- I still have my original copies that I, I purchased in 1993. I borrowed I, was... I borrowed one like two years ago and just moved and didn't give it back to the guy. If he, if he bothers to contact me and ask for it, I have I am obligated to give it to him. <laughs> but otherwise, nobody tell him. 1993 <laughs> music and former by Snow is still number one during the week of March 24th through the 30th. But we also have some new releases, including Shakira's second album, uh, Peligro. 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 Danger. I I did not realize how young Shakira started. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, this is her second album. She's 15. Wow. Man, I'm yeah. almost Shakira's age. I didn't realize yeah, that Shakira's, at all. Yeah, Shakira's only got a couple months on me. Yeah, she's uh, 15. Phobia by the Kinks is also up. The self-titled debut of Sade, or Suede, a.k.a. London <laughs> Suede, not Sade. 14 Shots <laughs> to the Dome by LL Cool J. Back to Fuck Up by Onyx. Had that one. Uh, Here Come the Lords by Lords of the Underground. We're going to close out with Digi by the Kinks, but stay right there. We have a lot uh, of stuff to dig into. we got to talk about this for a second. Mm. I, I saw, oh, the Kinks have a new album out. That's odd because their big hit is from 1965. <laughs> and then I listened to this and I'm like, okay, first of all, I don't remember them sounding so Beatlesy. But second of all, we're only a couple years away from Britpop. This just sounds like a fucking Oasis song. Wow. I have not heard so, it. So the Kinks are both way past their prime and super ahead of everybody. Mm. Well, let's get to know a little of it as we close out 1993. But stay right there. 2003 is just around the corner.
Coming into 2003 with I Drove All Night by Celine Dion off of One Heart. I love this song and not this version, but... <laughs> this. Yeah, well, I, I figured, I mean, we we played the Roy Orbison version a while ago to celebrate his passing. And, but, oh, well, we have some Celine Dion news, so she's got an I, album. Here we go. The best cover of it is by the Proto Men, uh, the wonderful, very talented geek-centric band uh, out of uh, Nashville. And I remember I was at a show seeing them in Boston and one of the people I was traveling with, she it's Celine Dion! And I turn around like, it's Roy Orbison. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm so stupid. And I asked her later and yeah. she's like, oh, Celine Dion covered this song. I'm like, she did? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, drove all night right here. Uh, other new releases for 2003, March 24th to the 30th, Ringo Rama by Ringo Starr. <laughs> Must really like himself to title the album that U-Turn by Brian McKnight. Viva Emptiness by uh, Catatonia. Balls in My Word by Scarface. Let Him Burn by Hot Boys. Meteora by Linkin Park. Rules of Travel by Roseanne Cash. Uh, and the self-titled album by Stacy Orico. In the Club by 50 Cent is still number one. Speaking of Celine yep. Dion. This is the week that Celine Dion uh, starts living in Las Vegas. And she's going to become one of the wealthiest entertainers in that city's history because she's going to do 714 shows at the Coliseum at Caesars Palace. Going to make 385 million from that alone. Yeah. And that's her first residency. She went back and did it again. Wow. I'm trying yeah. to do the math on that. Had like uh what is that like a 100 $800,000 per show? Jesus Christ. That's how yeah. much money gambling makes. So be yeah. careful when you're yeah. in Vegas. So because people go there to give their money away so the casinos can just be like oh yeah a show that's going to cost us you include the waiters all that stuff a million dollars a show that's our advertising mm -hmm. okay that's our <laughs> advertising to get you to give us your money and uh man a little bit of news to bring you into the wonderful world of 2003 in uh, oh god Nazaria, Nazaria, Iraq, 11 soldiers of the 507th Maintenance Company, uh, as well as 18 Marines, are killed during the first major conflict of Operation Iraqi Freedom. Oh, yep. good Lord. I remember this so well. We got us, Lord and Maddie, we got us a convoy. We're supposed to bypass Nazaria. We end up going into Nazaria trying to pull a Yui with this convoy. It doesn't work out. They are ambushed, and uh, it's... It's real bad. Uh, six soldiers are taken hostage. And the, the big story comes out of this is uh, PFC Jessica Lynch, where she was in a convoy and they're like, she got shot 18 times and she kept unloading on those fuckers. She's fighting and protecting everyone. She's amazing. They rescue them three weeks later. And she's like, none of that happened. You're fucking lying. I didn't you know, I didn't get shot. I didn't save anyone. My gun jammed. I didn't get to do shit. We were ambushed and it was horrible. Stop trying to make people heroes. Yeah, I yeah. think there were a couple of movies based on this, or at least one made-for-TV movie, yeah. Yeah. And in the lighter side of the news, uh, Liv Tyler marries Rostin Langdon from Space Hog, although they divorced in 2008. I hope they're both mm -hmm. happy in the meantime. <laughs> cable, I, I thought this was amazing. Just uh, Cable has its first HD channel that launches. ESPN HD. I know it's boring. And I don't it like talking sense. about sports, but but yeah, they're probably already filming in HD. But I went down a rabbit hole, but because just like Comcast and people like them are the major inhibitors to all progress and upgrades, <laughs> because regular cable couldn't handle high definition, couldn't handle better internet. They had to relay new cable and shit. And guess what? They're real reluctant to do that, in spite of raising their prices constantly. And 
it's just the timestamp on it. Half my it's half my life. I've been in an HD era of home mm-hmm. entertainment. That roughly half my life. That feels nuts. Yeah, I remember having discussions around 2003 with people about HD, and I was like, "This is really amazing. It's it's the future." And I recall this one guy named Doug told me, "You know, I don't care about that. I'll never care about that. My good old CRT TV works fine." And then I talked to him recently a few years ago uh, about it and he was like oh i can't watch non-hd tv it hurts my eyes yeah it can be rough uh, can be rough and, I- and that's i look at some of those shows that are not hd you know your cheers and whatever and it's just like yeah this this doesn't do it for me they'll they'll hmm. find a way to clean them up eventually oh yeah but, but we're coming from someone we're with almost the, there the fraggle AI. rock bl- blu-rays <laughs> um yeah there's uh there's definitely something lacking but yeah it, it's always like how the fuck did espn have to pay to lay the groundwork to get HD cable moving because like the FCC has always required them to move in, to move to HD and they delayed it for like 10 15 years to digital signals and HD signals so I don't know I, I wish I could, could have found it how much this how much ESPN had to do with it because I had imagined it's it was way more in their best interest than it was for cable companies to start start distributing it but yeah how we got HD someday there could be a cool documentary about that movies of 2003 which you might be able to see in HD for March 24th through the 30th killing me softly with Heather Graham Joseph Fiennes and Natasha McClone did not get oh, around to this Christ I had never heard of this movie until it was featured on how did this get made and now I kind of want to watch it except I don't because it sounds awful but it's also a little harder to find so it's an erotic thriller where like Heather Graham starts seeing or starts having an affair with Joseph Fiennes and then like they get married really soon and it turns out like he was on a climbing trip and his ex-girlfriend died there but maybe he killed her but maybe something else has gone maybe he's a serial killer maybe he's not erotic thriller erotic thriller stuff uh Twister Rooney it's it sounds (laughs) (laughs) it sounds baffling and stupid and no one acts like a human being and you have to wonder why these people got involved in this also because it's directed by chen kai guy i think it's, it's like his only english language film is a chinese filmmaker did farewell my concubine which is you know good killing uh. me softly sounds like hot trash and i do i do enjoy hot trash we'll no, talk about that some, so more in a little bit this week and i and i really nailed most of it in this segment with the i saw a long time ago Joel Edgerton named me watch Jeffrey Rush, Orlando Bloom, and Heath Ledger in Ned Kelly. Because, good Lord, do the Australians just love making movies. It's like they're Robin Hood. It is their Robin Hood. This is is. probably the most famous Australian in all of history. More than Chopper? (laughs) There have been nine films released theatrically about Ned Kelly. I did some research. I'm not positive on this number but i was only able to find six films released theatrically about australian prime ministers so <laughs> Kelly, cinematically uh, is more famous than every australian prime minister combined <laughs> uh yeah and uh, yeah. i remember him being chided at the time because it was kind of routine if an actor kind of took off in Australia, you got to come back and play Ned Kelly at some point. <laughs> and, 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 and people were kind and of yet, groaning. And yet over Mick this. Jagger did too. He did. 
And, and but yeah, I, 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 he's not Australian. Two years ago, one of my favorite movies, uh, the True History of the Kelly Gang. I had never liked one before that, including the Yahoo serious one. That movie was amazing. So track that <laughs> one down if you can. It's got Russell Crowe in it. Really, really dark. Yeah, yeah. No, this this version of Ned Kelly, I mean, is definitely cleaned up. It feels more like a general western to me. Yeah. Which yeah. is one thing I like about a lot of Australian film is that they they can do westerns really well because they have the same they dusty have- ass frontier. Mm-hmm. so you get something like the proposition which is an outstanding western and this one it's like yeah it's kind of fun it's sort of i don't want to call it young gunsy in the, the way that they're sort of cleaning it up and making it more fun right because true history of the kelly are... gang from two years ago really doesn't do any of that hollywoodization it is grotesque everybody's a psycho they're they're raised yeah. in complete poverty and depravity uh yeah, it's it's Ned Kelly is a de- divisive figure in Australian history. A yeah. lot of Australians just think of him. I guess it's like Billy the Kid. Yeah. That dude's yeah, a psycho. Do not hear up worship Jesse him. James. Other people are like he was wronged by the government. You can understand where he's coming from. I've done a little bit of research, and as always in history, I think it's more complex. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. I don't think it's all one thing or all the other. The dude did get a lot of unlucky breaks but that doesn't mean that you get to go full-on psycho like he did that you run oh, out yeah. into so, a hail of bullets in a man handmade iron yeah. suit like that, uh, that's yeah. the thing that elevates the whole story that he built himself like a suit of armor and went yeah. out to fight the cops i i mean it is like it is very much like that scene in iron man one tony starks builds himself a suit of armor Ned oh, Kelly builds himself a suit of armor and he goes on out. And uh, Tony Stark blazing. dies in four minutes. My, oh, wait, no. <laughs> Mike, you just blew my mind. I had not made that connection. I feel like an idiot for never having made that connection before. <laughs> no, Ned Kelly didn't die. He survived to be hung by the Australian right. government. He was hung as a outlaw. And when I say outlaw, I mean, he was literally outlawed. There was an <laughs> imperial decree that he was outside the law. Anyone could shoot him. Anyone, a five-year-old, could shoot him and face no legal penalties. That's how. That's how scared they were of him. They were just like, I don't know. You're yeah. not part of the law anymore. You're yeah. you're, you're an animal. Shoot you're him. running around cop killing and stuff. Yeah, the movie itself. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's kind of a light recommend for me. Or it's like yeah. historical accuracy. I don't know, but uh, great cast. Everyone's pulling their weight. It, yeah. it is a bit weird seeing all these people I know in other parts because at uh, one port, oh, Orlando Bloom is facing off against the guy who plays the bad pirate in Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> except neither of them are playing their Pirate of the Caribbean characters. And it's yep. just like, uh, okay. I know, and all these Aussie actors actually get to use their regular accents. Yeah. Heal ye. I can't do it. God damn it. Heal ye. Heal ye. Can't do it. Uh, well, uh, how about that? Sounds like a, a, a just a right wrong. It's a recommend. It's a recommend. Yeah. Well, how would you like um, Few no. Good Men if it was uh, convoluted and terrible? Because I made a mistake. Because this is for some reason I was just frustrated. Like I can't when I can't find anything streaming immediately, like very easily for thirty twenty ten. Just like all right, I'll just do the first one. That was basic with John Travolta, Connie Nielsen, and Samuel L. Jackson. And this movie is not good. It's oh no, it's it's not good at all. And I'm still granted I was you know fucking around in Valheim on the side while this was going on, but it's just like 
I'll never forget. I mentioned this recently because Diana said it a long time ago. Hey, is there someone really famous in this movie, but you haven't seen them in like 90 minutes? Sam Jackson appears in the first like opening lines of the dialogue and you don't see him the entire time. And like, is there a twist ending coming? And like, yes. Does it make any sense? Not really. (laughs) Not really at all. I don't even know how to describe this. Yeah. Yeah. General Stoddard meets Courage Under Fire? Well, I guess. Yes. I mean, yeah, it, it was giving me general daughter flashbacks because it's about John Travolta investigating something in the military involving soldiers killing other soldiers. Except um, that movie also not great, but it's about like there's a training exercise that went wrong and a bunch of guys got killed or did they or wh- were they set up or was this something else or maybe those guys are the bad guys. Maybe that guy's the bad guy. I, I don't know. Samuel L. Jackson was their training officer and he was a dick. Did he kill everyone? I, I don't know. Or is a shot of, of John Travolta running in the jungle and stabbing him as a fucking really weird misdirect where I was like, wow, this shitty movie just like entered a new atmosphere. And they undid it. And then it's the end of it is like the Avengers. Ha ha. I, John Travolta, was never really interested in solving this case. And I'm working for Sam Jackson, who hasn't been in the movie for 91 minutes. Like, I wonder if you thought you'd see him again. And we're recruiting you, lady, you. And then, like, was this supposed to be a series of <laughs> of a dark ops undercover? It just so stupid. I'm so pissed. I wasted my time with this. I hope none of you do. Basic. No. It is. Don't bother. It it is. E- it, well even put. even though like the next movie might be shittier, but yeah, but it's fun. Yeah, basic's not fun. Basic is Basic's not fun. Boring. Alfred Woodard, Richard. Look at this cast: DJ Qualls, Bruce Greenwood, uh, Shakti Cairo, Stanley Tucci, and just my God, that guy knows how to work. Delroy Lindo, Hillary Swank, and the fucking atrocious Aaron Eckhart in the core. <laughs> thousand miles beneath the surface of the earth i'm getting a seismic reading a secret government weapon is out of control friday the only way to stop the unthinkable every volcano on the planet will blow there'll be earthquakes big enough to rip us to pieces is to try the impossible our mission is to go to the center of the planet find this weapon and destroy it we're going in the core Oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, I want. I want to. Okay, first of all, fucking spoilers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the man-made weapon that might be responsible for all this. Our. Oh the, my god! The Earth's core has stopped pinning, spinning, which will uh, people just start dropping dead in in the streets? And what the? F- Look, then, if then the it's... Earth's core stops spinning, then major landmarks get yes. irradiated and blown up. Only major landmarks are targeted by this this thing, and so yep. they, these people have to Armageddon themselves into the center of the Earth and detonate a nuclear device to start the Earth's core a spinning. And it is, man, I, I, like how could this get stupider? And then they step out. They step out in the center of the earth and like, this is just a 1960s sci-fi set. <laughs> I'm so glad you're doing this, acknowledging that like, just relax. None of this is real. None of this could happen. Just don't worry. Whatever. We're just, we're in a cavern of geodes the size of buildings. It happens, you know? And what is the ship made out of though, Chris? Uh, what? Com- I don't know. Unobtainium. Unobtainium. Right. Right. Unobtainium. Yep, because that is a term that scientists actually use for a theoretical thing that doesn't exist, like metal that you could build a ship in of that could co- actually oh. get to the center of the Earth. 
Because it couldn't, because the pressure and the heat would just melt fucking everything man-made. Or no, no you can honestly send a ship down there, and then you can send another thing after them, and then they can divert the one. What the no. fuck? What this this movie uh, is, man. I, I don't know why I hate Basic more, but because like I, I definitely got to the point where I'm just not going to finish this. This is this movie has no respect for me, <laughs> and the effects are terrible terrible not good so they nasa gives tests to people they have them watch armageddon and they have to write down every single scientific flaw in that film (laughs) i think the record was like 713 or something like that now i really want them because that's all over the internet they bring in your applicant okay watch the core Give me every single scientific problem in this. Uh, allegedly, when yep. hundreds of scientists were polled, this was the least scientific movie ever made. <laughs> the core. <laughs> the, the core. I can't find this a... part of That's what I like about it. Yeah, it does feel, because it's, I mean, it's a disaster movie, but it also is sort of a fantastic journey, 60, 70s throwback. Yeah. And I feel like most of the people in it know that and are going for it. Dude, Stanley And some Tucci. of the people... Oh yeah, the Tooch understands, and just there's so much hand waving of like, well, like DJ Qualls personally is responsible for keeping all news of this off the internet. Yep, because he's Somehow. made a worm that <laughs> control f's every mention. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Guys, guys, you kind of got to just put your brain in park because yeah, do you know why the or- Earth's core actually spins? Because it's uh, part of the Earth. Yeah, because the entire <laughs> Earth is spinning. That's why our core is spinning. It's, it's not spinning uh, separately like a like a gyroscope, like a little. No, oh, it is. It, it, I'm sad to hear it that. Does, it, it is part of the Earth. The Earth is spinning. Our core is spinning because it's part of the Earth. That's it. That's the entire explanation. Like, uh, I, I like. I, I, there's just not enough self awareness to make this a like fun bad movie on the level of fucking boat trip. But it is. No. It also. It also is like. Wait, what are you thinking? Like, why would this be an interesting place to go? Like, you're going to have to spend the majority of the time in the ship. And then your explanation yep. for why we're seeing Roland Emmerich-level destruction doesn't make much sense and looks like fucking shit. God, this is the second worst movie. I, the, the worst movie I watched on Paramount Plus this week. They are really hitting it out of the park this week on 302010. Oh. They, they should have gone full parody. They should have just yeah. gone, like, complete balls-to-the-wall insane. Every That's once in a while, you think yeah. they might have been, like, towards the end of the movie and all the secrets have been revealed. Ah, shut it down! Like... Uh, don't you tell DJ Qualls, don't you tell Aaron Eckhart where we're going? He's like, um, okay. Um, hey, I sent you that information I primed you up for. Prime, primed up. Prime numbers. Like, this is a this it. is a pre-existing God this is a very old South Park it. joke. Like, is, do they are they aware how dumb this is? Fuck, this movie uh, is so dumb. It's so dumb. That's why I I I have to recommend it as a good bad movie. I, I have I, to. I'm pretty much right. there. It's, it's just that right balance of taking itself seriously and just not giving a shit of just just raw silliness. Like they don't care. It's like, <laughs> they don't care, so they're gonna have a good time. Just like the wasted, it's absolutely so wasted talent. Like Hillary Swank so could have been a mannequin. It, like so she just won an Oscar for fuck's sake. Uh, yeah, Alfred Woodard, why good, is she in this movie? Yeah, no, that's a good comparison. If if uh, Armageddon or Space Cowboys was too highbrow for you, <laughs> the core is your jam. <laughs> <laughs> 
this is this is an un, like, unbelievably shocking how ridiculous this movie is. And again, the runtime is what separates it probably for me with Bo Trip. Like, oh, two and a half hours of this. Jesus Christ. Well, I didn't feel like the movie was committing a hate crime, unlike Boat Trip. Yes, so. that's true. <laughs> that's true. It's something that's uh, yeah. that comes from a shockingly bad place in the, the, the on the hearts of the filmmakers. That's not yeah, happening no, in the core. No, no <laughs> this is this is written by a seven year old's understanding of physics. Yes, <laughs> but the core. Stream it now on Paramount Plus. Uh, don't. Not streaming. <laughs> or uh, don't. Anywhere I could find, but I managed to check it out again. A movie I've never loved, but sort of like, because I love Chris Rock. It's and- I love Chris Rock in everything where he's not in a film. What? Hmm. You mean like Madagascar? <laughs> oh, you mean like stand-up? Like stand-up, SNL. Mm-hmm. He does not have a great film record, in my opinion. Certainly not a good True. starring role film record. He's. I think he kind of... If I'm being honest, he kind of had to grow as an actor, and he's also directing here. Yeah, and, and his debut. He had to grow a little bit as an actor, but his most recent directorial movie, uh, was it Top 5 still? Like, that's he's pretty oh, good in that. yeah. Yeah, that's and, all right. But this movie has enough fun moments uh, to keep you keep you on board. Sort of, it just... Dude, but it also feels like a parody of itself. This is Honky yeah. Grandma Be Trippin'. All right, is there Tracy, these are Tracy Morgan movies. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tracy Morgan is in this. Uh, Lynn Whitfield, Tracy Morgan, Dylan Baker, Bernie Mac. Oh, that's the redemption. And Chris Rock mm-hmm. in Head of State. Oh, we're going to lose this one. They thought they could control them. It's people like you, the farmers, that make the country great. Maybe I should be talking about something a little more relevant. Don't get ahead of yourself, Maze. They thought they could deceive him. Hey, take a look at your TV commercial. But I'm not in it. We'll get you in there eventually. But if they didn't want him to win... What the hell is he doing? They picked the wrong loser. I asked my niece the other day, what's four plus four? She said 44. Let me hear you say, that ain't right. (laughs) Okay, okay. A black president? Uh (laughs) Oh, that... That was the thing that made me laugh so hard is they are specifically, this is the 2004 election. That yeah. is yeah. the point of the movie. The the Democratic front runner and VP, VP candidate are, both die. And instead of, you know, holding a new convention and figuring that, they just pick like this alderman from Washington, D.C. Like, okay, fine. To lose. So it's not. To lose. They're producering it. They, they all, know he's going to lose. It's but almost. They think it's, outside of that, it is very close to being the distinguished gentleman. It is, it is very, very close. It's Eddie Murphy cons his way in there, whereas Chris Rock is a patsy. But they both right. kind of do the, by being just a straight shooting from the streets kind of guy, the public falls in love. Yeah, but I love that they're like, yeah, we know we're going to lose in 2004. You know, this makes us look better for minorities when we run in 2008. Hello! <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of why like the movie can never, it's, is this too dated to be enjoyed? Because it just treats the idea like black president. No one would ever want that. Here's a 90 minute Chappelle show sketch about it. But then like, there's a scene at the end when he wins and they clearly it's on screen too long, but like, like hundreds of white extras run out of their house screaming and like, well, that part was true. Like uh, (laughs) that is a comedic metaphor, way more than I expected to happen. But like Bernie Mac is the, Every no, time he shows missing. up is amazing. Oh, when he gets I, off I the train just, and just starts slapping people. <laughs> just the idea that, yeah, he would pick his brother as his running mate. He has no other options. And his brother, like, cannot be controlled 
And they're yes. like, he's on what, like Larry King or something. And they're like, what do you think about NATO? And he's like, I don't know any NATO and I'm not going to talk bad about someone I don't know. You mean NATO Jenkins? <laughs> no, no, the international organization. Well, I don't know that. You know NATO Jenkins? I am. Uh, no, no. Do you know NATO Jenkins? So we all know different things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he starts slapping people again. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's just one of those movies where like a kind of a comedic, icon is given carte blanche to do whatever they want and i think they're sort of not ready but i remember reading there was some kind of rush to get this film out because chris tucker had a competing like in in -hmm. between doing nothing but rush hours he was mounting a black guy becomes president movie and there was kind of a armageddon deep impact war to get them out uh, early and i think this one not doing terribly great business uh prevented that one from even happening but like uh, it's a comedy from 20 years ago with enough like smilers and laugh out loud moments, I could say like, yeah, check it out. If you can find it, check it out again. But it's very much not great. And it's very so hampered by the PG rating because, you know, you hear the N word a couple times. Mm. Like, obviously, it's going to be an R-rated comedy. Like, nope. No, it is not. It is not an R-rated comedy. It is uh, very much held back by that. Could have been mm. fun. I feel like we need to have a whole film festival of unlikely guy runs for president. We have this, we got the Robin Williams one. We go back all the way to the candidate with Redford. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, Facing the crowd. Oh, we got the serious ones. We we got the, the silly ones. And and like in and, and I shouldn't be president. And in the credits, they show what's clearly like Chris Rock riffing in like campaign campaign speeches for his character, and he's pretty much just pulling out his stand up. And mm-hmm. it's like I would have been disappointed as a fan of stand up to see him rehashing this here, but like I really wish you let him do more of that because like anytime he tries to make a point as a politician or a human being, it kind of sucks. It's it, it's it's filtered through a PG thirteen poorly acted filter, but head of state, I have. Just so conflicted on it because I love Chris Rock so much and I love that I get to mention him this much around the Oscars. Tw- uh, what is it? Ten years from the day, almost from the day of the debut of CB4, head of state. Mm-hmm. Pretty close. Yeah. And uh, moving into television of 2013, uh, we have speaking of Chris Rock. I was introduced to this woman through Chris Rock as Wanda oh, Sykes yeah? Hall. Yeah, Wanda. She was on Chris Rock show. One of the writers and one of the performers, uh, but Wanda Wanda at large debuts on Fox, a sitcom I did not watch. Yeah, um, it's it's got kind of convoluted presence. Uh, Sykes is a former government worker who decides to be a stand stand up comedian, mm-hmm. and then she becomes an editorial correspondent on a political talk show, and then she's put in a position where she's going from story to story and i don't know it, it seems like that sounds like a show that keeps being retooled we just wanted a one yeah. psych show and you uh, did we have a clip from him uh yeah this is just the promo oh, let me hear it tv reporter wanda hawkins takes free speech to a whole new level ready to show me how to throw that curveball i'll teach you a pitch better than the curveball the hawkins brush back She's got strong opinions. Wanda's gonna hate a surprise party. And isn't afraid to express them. Happy birthday! Wanda at large. Uh, Wanda at large. Doesn't that make you want to watch it? Anytime yeah. I hear the song Brick House, I'm just like, if I'm not in a time machine, I'm not watching whatever this is. Unless it's the Muppets in space. Uh, there you go. <laughs> but That's uh, fun. Oh, I see one of the kids on his journey, Smollett. We're going to be talking about her 10 years from now. And uh, here, uh, also possibly interesting because I've followed Wanda Sykes. I used to listen to her albums in my car because I burned them on a CD. She's not out yet. And I nope. think that could have made for a more interesting sitcom and probably led to 
more interesting storylines, but uh, yep. doesn't look like she has a romantic interest either. So she knows where she, but her early standup material is all about how much she hates her husband. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, uh, also this week on Fox, the pits airs the pits. This is a, like a flashback to early Fox weirdness when they were like green lighting comedy shows about the apocalypse. Okay. Mm. This is your, your typical sitcom family. Okay. But let me run through the the first seven episodes. Okay. Episode one, a psycho babysitter. Episode two, a Volkswagen bug falls in love with one of the family. Episode three, they turn into werewolf. Episode four, awesome. a dummy comes to life. Episode five, the daughter gets a pipe through her head. Episode six, they are held hostage by escaping prisoners. Episode seven, they join a satanic cult. Um, and it stars Dylan Baker from Head of State. From Head of State. I love Dylan Baker. And created by, and by plays a daughter. Mike Red. Scully from The Simpsons. Um, oh, my God. How have I never heard of this? This sounds amazing. Uh, it looks like a one-season wonder. And, and, and it's not. <laughs> I had seven episodes and only uh, five of them aired. Yeah. Well. This uh, is bizarre. Yeah. You can play the intro, which kind of tries to explain it if you want. The Is kind of awesome. The wife gets bit by in the neck by a snake. <laughs> anyway, if you want to talk visual jokes abound, thank God JR put this in here. Um, <laughs> airing on Showtime this week, The Lord of the G Strings, The Female Ship of the String. I'm out. <laughs> no, no, Diana, I need you. Diana, you miss a lot of context if you haven't read The Skinnerillion first. <laughs> That's what I'm going to get to. Because well, how did how did I don't even know how he found? Because this was I think this is one of Showtime's like we're going to edit out the penetration shots of like a very hardcore pornography. No, no, this is like the tamest of softest softcore. Okay, mm. this is this is I feel like we are. This is the last Skinamax movie of all time mm. because there is there is nothing hard about this at all, oh. and it's like. <laughs> 2000 uh, <laughs> it's like 2003 the internet exists yeah and it is anybody can be... make a movie better than this i i saw some yes. clips of it it's like like this is cheap even for what it is but what i yes. thought it might be fun because jr's a massive uh tolkien fan here here's a little clip from the intro to explain what's going on it was many ages ago in the shire known as Throbbiton. Throbbiton. Throbbit named Dildo Saggins would become the bearer of the G string. A Throbbit named Dildo Saggins. <laughs> but the thing is, okay, this is the last softcore film I watched in my entire life. Really? I was, yeah, for real, for real. I'm not joking about that. I was such a huge Lord of the Rings fan that in 2003, when we'd only had two films, I did get this because I was just like, okay, it's something. And it was just like, I cannot get through this. This is not, yeah. there's nothing. We tried to have a bad movie day about it. It's, it's too bad even for a bad yeah. movie night. Okay. Uh, halfway through, it turns into a Wizard of Oz parody and then a Smurf parody and then a Deliverance parody because Lord of the Rings cannot carry a 65 minute film. Really? I, the Lord I, of the Rings. The you can't do that for 65 minutes. You don't have enough material. The only fu the fun I got out of it was looking up the character names. 
in this. Oh, no. Dildo Saggins. Not, that's acceptable. Aeroporn. Not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, the, the wizard's name is Smirnoff. <laughs> uh, there's a character named Benadryl. And then it, there's just like horse bank? Horny. That's it. Just horny. And Alana Rhodes as Hyman Torn. <laughs> which, which I can't tell if that's great or just the worst thing I've ever said out loud. Uh, okay. But the worst thing about this film, Chris. Please. Okay. There is a non-white throbbit. In a prominent role. Oh, so obviously this 2003 softcore film is incredibly woke. That's, oh, that's the thing that truly it. ruins J.R. Tolkien's vision. Um, <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, this has, trying to see what its IMDb user rating <laughs> is. There's, there's, there's a surprising amount of reviews. 3.7 3, 3. out of 10. So maybe not, see it before basic. How about that? Yeah. How about that? I, it's true. not even it's not even good for bad movie night. I'm sorry. It's it's really not. It's it's too no. bad for bad movie. You shouldn't night. be taking this long to masturbate. And also, I can't <laughs> masturbate during your horrible comedy sketches. I mean, I can't. I guess I could. All, all no, I can think of is, I don't is think the you could. All I can think of is the the Onion article about ironic porn rental leads to unironic ejaculation. <laughs> yes, I know that one. It was a spit tip. Yeah. Uh, let's get into some video games because there's a real biggie in here. I'll get to it last. Batman Dark Tomorrow for GameCube and Xbox, I believe, considered one of the worst 3D Batman games of all time. That is what I saw. I mm -hmm. saw every review was like, this is the worst Batman game mm -hmm. of all time. And do you know how many Batman games there have been? Yeah. Uh, for it to be the worst of all time? In uh, the 3D era was not kind to Batman until the Arkham games. This tries to be Arkham. Mm -hmm. This is, with 2003 tech, it is trying to be Arkham City, and it is failing miserably. Oh, yeah. If you use your grappling hook, there's like a 50% chance you're going to teleport to an unfinished <laughs> part of the game and be stuck there with no way to escape. Uh, Batman Dark Tomorrow, yeah. And because, uh, yeah, eventually that EA Batman Begins game, it's like, oh, you could see Arkham forming. Anyway, anyway, uh, Samurai Jack and the Amulet of Time is on GBA as. Uh, uh, I really wanted a good Samurai Jack game, and this is not it. I mean, it's... if you're putting it out on the Game Boy, this is just a cash yeah. grab. Like with Superman Countdown to Apocalypse. Same, not a good Superman game, although it's an isometric Superman game, which I was not expecting. I mean, yeah, why would we want to see him in the air? Um, yeah. <laughs> Galactic Civilizations on Windows. This was like... a big, big series. This is Civilization in Space. It's instead oh, of conquering it. the globe, conquer the galaxy. And as I've often said on this show, there's a number of strategy games that Firaxis just utterly wiped off the board. Uh, they came up with their game, Stellaris, which is the galactic strategy game these days. If you play a galactic strategy game, you play Stellaris, and Galactic Civilization is that, oh yeah, the thing that came before Stellaris. <laughs> and then, lastly, but definitely not leastly, The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker comes out on GameCube. And holy lord, I know Diana dating nerds and was on the internet, but this was a one of the biggest internet era controversies about a video game because i th think this is when i realized how big video game controversies could be like yes. i knew the nerd rage over star wars phantom menace and i was aware of that discourse i wasn't really aware of nerd rage at video games yeah until when because it had it, the had, first... it had to be in the letter section of egm <laughs> until mm -hmm. that point and we were just 
putting stuff on the internet and all of a sudden Nintendo has announced a new Zelda game and they've redesigned Link to look very cartoony in a cel-shaded environment. And even at the time, I remember saying like, I love Zelda games, but the more realistic graphics get, the more boring this game has to look unless you put stylistic flair on it somehow. And they've kind of done that ever since, except with Twilight Princess, which is dull to look at. This looks gorgeous. (laughs) <laughs> this is such a gorgeous game, you 2003 idiots. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, it is. You can up-res it with Dolphin, and it looks amazing. Or it looks incredible on the Wii U. If you are going it's to play the, this It's game, the most significant update Nintendo has done to one of its classic games in that HD remake for Wii U. And it's, of course, abandoned there. But it's yeah. phenomenal. And, and the, the choice they made... We were ta- we've been talking about this on podcast for like 15 years. The choice they made means that this game will look good without any like remastering or anything. It's stylized. It looks awesome. No, I, I wish all 3D games from 2001 to 2005 were cell shaded. It just holds up incredibly well. And I'd say the remake has completely surplanted this game, Chris. Well, you just I, can't get have it. Have you ever done... Th- uh, the remake is superior in yep. every way maker short form. Yep. It fixes a number of bugs. The graphics are better. I would say there is no reason to play the original if you can play the remake, which I know it's on the Wii U. But mm-hmm. that could be a VGA topic, you know, remakes that completely surplant yeah. the original. Yeah, it's like it, there's no reason to go back. Except there that isn't. Nintendo it, will make you. Uh, but yeah, yeah it, it, Wind Waker is just a absolute delight it's it it it. i feel like it could make a like a zelda fan or even a video game fan out of people who don't know anything about one of the best series in all gamedom and uh i'm sort of sad they toon link kind of had a life for a while over the last 20 years outside of the game it got a great series of portable games is still a character in smash but not a lot happening with toon link as even nintendo officially calls him toon link and and again yeah. just like even at that point, we knew all the links are different. They're all different things. And come on. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. Um, Anyways, uh, this is a really great post-apocalyptic game, although it's uh, the bright and shiny Nintendo post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. because this is Hyrule after it's been destroyed. Uh, there's never been this empty of a Hyrule since Zelda 1. You know, there's very few people in this game, and that's because everything is flooded in water, but it's got this really charming peaceful at times Mm -hmm. sailing in this game just feels right it feels peaceful and that's not a feeling i experience in video games a lot feels like playing a ghibli movie it's fucking wonderful yeah Yeah. it's uh it's amazing man i hope that remake comes out i'll play it again god damn it very very good but yeah again the internet was for the first time ever very wrong the new matrix (laughs) sucks and this game ruled and all your anticipations are uh, expectations are being blown out of proportion by being we'll talk about this shit every day it happens so with that being said none of the internet let's go out with somewhere i belong by lincoln park uh they released meteora this week but stay right there we got one more segment in the barrel Ooh, that's probably bad when we talk about Brandon Lee. Never mind. Uh, outro. Uh, outro. Bailing on the outro. Bye.
internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner, where we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of March 24th through 30th, <laughs> he keep trying to come up with like some sort of connecting tissue for these recommends, and I got nothing. So let's just get to it. Start with 70 years ago this week, saw the release of Ugetsu Monogatari, also known as Ugetsu, also known as Tales of Ugetsu, uh, directed by Kenzi Misuguchi, who's kind of like the number two or three greatest Japanese filmmaker of all time. And uh, it's fantastic. It is adapted from a book from 1776. And it's about uh, kind of a small town life, a small family, and the, the dad has to like go off for business to trade his pottery and things happen. You know, there's warring factions running around and things are very complicated and he kind of starts to forget about who he is or where he comes from. And it is absolutely gorgeous looking. It is just the moodiest black and white photography you have ever, ever seen. So yeah, if you want to get into classic Japanese cinema going, you know, beyond the, the all time greats by like Kurosawa, you should definitely check out Ugetsu. It, it's pretty just, it's transporting. Like, I just feel like I'm somewhere else now. And then, moving ahead, 10 years to 60 years ago this week, 1963, saw the release of uh, Hitchcock's most horrific movie that he could get away with in the U.S., The Birds. It's time for some straight-up man-versus-nature horror from The Birds, where just, fuck, and birds, they're mean. <laughs> they are mean. They're gonna fuck you up. Alfred Hitchcock is mean to his leading lady, Tippi Hedren. And there's a whole movie about how mean he is and how awful the uh, the experience was for her. But uh, yeah, Tippi Hedren, Rod Taylor, Jessica Tandy, Suzanne Plachette, and uh, these birds. Why are they doing this? I, I don't know. I did not realize, though, it has some pretty cool special effects for the time. 1963, yeah, they're, they're going to look kind of silly now. I had no idea they were done by Ub Iwerks, the like legendary animator going back to like the very earliest days of Disney. Yeah, okay, that, that's pretty cool. So uh, yeah, we also, we talk a lot of Hitchcock uh, on 80s in depth because we're talking about Psycho 2. Uh, I don't think The Birds comes up, but it is kind of an escalation of his just, oh, I don't do thrillers now or move, movies about murder. I just do horror movies, like horror movies that feel much more modern than, you know, giant bug movies from the 50s. And then turning 40 this week, I feel bad. I have not seen this whole movie all the way back. Like, I, I keep meaning to, but it is a, a coming-of-age drama. The Outsiders, directed by Francis Ford Coppola from the S.E. Hinton book, which, you know, it's about guys and they're hanging out and it's like mid-60s in a small town and, you know, they're it's a coming-of-age film. It, but it's most notable for ridiculous this cast is that we're all kind of unknowns at the time. You got C. Thomas Howell, Rob Lowe, Emilio Estevez, Matt Dillon, Ralph Macchio, Diane Lane, Patrick Swayze, Tom Cruise before Risky Business. And they're all such babies. And it's just so weird. It's like, I know what all of you look like grown up now. All of you. Ralph Macchio, you look the same. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's a weird little shift for Coppola. Uh, after having done, you know, Apocalypse Now and then One from a Heart was kind of a disaster to just start making these, you know, kind of sweet adaptations of books about, like, teenagers trying to find themselves. So, yeah, The Outsiders. I need to go finish watching it. I watched, like, the back half of it 20 years ago and then I forgot that I hadn't finished it. So I'm going to go watch it, too. So, Outsiders from 1983. That's it for this week. Stay classic. Smiling, that smile that's driving me wild 
Coming to 2013 with Sure Be Cool If You Did by Blake Shelton off of Based on a True Story. Uh, finally, we have Blake Shelton represented on 302010. Other new releases for this week. Ten years ago, uh, I Am Not a Human Being 2 by Lil Wayne. Native by One Republic. Collider by Cartel. Blackout the Sun by Seven Dust. What You Don't See by The Story So Far. Countdown Machine by The Strokes. And 13 by Suicidal Tendencies. Harlem Shake by uh, Bauer is still number one. Uh, a little bit of news to bring you the wonderful world of 2013. Ten years ago, uh, an emergency meeting in Brussels over Cyprus's financial situation. Uh, and, it's still going on. Yeah, I thought that was supposed to be the future for all of us. And thank God that didn't pan out. Well, no, the... we've, we've just had such a run of, like, Spain had the problem, and Ireland had the problems, Greece had the problems, and Cyprus has the problems. Yeah, the... Financial crisis wasn't just one event. It was a series of things, and it didn't really get out of the safe zone for, like, another one or two years from this point. So hopefully not timely news that you're going to have to relive again. Uh, and then also, uh, golfer Tiger Woods returns to his world uh, number one ranking. I forgot that he took a year or two off or something like that. Probably to go yeah, have yeah, he had committed adultery. personal problems and it was affecting his game so he just backed away and people were like will this guy who's been the best golfer in all of history be able to come back yep he was <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh more stories about war North, North Korea declares it is uh, at a state of war with South Korea and seems like a very polite war I say keep going I mean <laughs> technically that war never ended mm -hmm. there's just been a ceasefire for 70 years you think so they can't even decide on a name we're nothing like them. We're North. <laughs> Change your name. Oh, man. Shit. Uh, sorry. Looking at the first movie in the list. This is the one I wanted to see the most and couldn't get around to. Oh, yeah. Dana, it's a good one. Ben Mendelsohn, Bruce Greenwood, Ray Liotta, Ava Mendez, Rose Byrne, Bradley Cooper, and Ryan Gosling, The Place Beyond the Pines. Yeah. God, I don't know how to describe this movie because it's like a whole bunch of character stories that they just sort of it goes kind of seamlessly from one story to another like it's a, ryan gosling is like a motorcycle rider and then he's like robbing banks and then that sort of transitions to the story about bradley cooper who's like the you know one fairly good cop in a corrupt department or mm. is he and then like his son that like later becomes an issue with what happened with ryan gosling and it's uh, written and directed by derek Sianfrance, who previously did blue valentine which mm. is i was worried it was going to be like that because that's a really good movie but it is like emotionally so like tough and real and this is more like a sprawling epic crime story but in a very small place mm -hmm. and yeah i i really enjoyed it yeah, I really yeah meant to check it out. Uh, I've always wanted to see it because it was semi-controversial at the time. Just because, uh, yeah, a bunch of tricking a bunch of uh, girls love the Notebook into seeing any Ryan Gosling movie, and it was just really fun <laughs> to see all those reviews. Uh, also out this week, Francis Fisher, William Hurt, Diane Kruger, Jake Abel, Max Irons, and Saoirse Ronan in the host, not the Korean Godzilla movie. Shit, I saw the wrong one. No, this yeah, this is, is not good. Mm -hmm. Trying to build the Twilight buzz into uh, Stephanie Myers into her other books, and those never really took off, did they? It was like she did Twilight. That's pretty much all that she's going to be known for, I think. I Why mean, not? yeah, just rest on a pile of money. No worries. Yeah. Oh, this is just, I'm so disappointed because it's Andrew Nichol, who we talked about being disappointed about with Simone, but the Gattaca guy, the, you Hell know, yeah. Truman Show guy. 
and Saoirse Ronan, who I feel like has never steered me wrong before. Like, I've never <laughs> seen a bad movie with Saoirse Ronan in it before. But this is so fucking dumb. <laughs> and I know they made it because, like, Twilight's over now. Stephanie Meyer's yep. got other books out. And it's sort of the same vibe of, you know, young adult with one supernatural element. But it's really, you know, more about uh, teen romance. And yeah. Blah, blah. What if invasion of the body snatchers but sexy high schoolers that's it yeah i just i couldn't finish it honestly it's one of those where i i started i got about 20 minutes in i'm like what if i skip to the middle no i'm still not interested i don't care what happened in between yeah there's these aliens that like invade your brain um but they're called souls and they like take over your body but we do not understand this human emotion you call love Mm -hmm. Exactly. Oh, uh, it's just why? <laughs> why? Well, why would I, you spend forty million dollars on this? Be thankful because it probably because Twilight made billions. Yeah, and and it. Imagine if it was a success, where Sorcerer Runner would be now. Probably letting you down with roles in like the core two, just to, just to, <laughs> to receive her average rate, and then taking chances on dope shit. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just, no. But yeah, I guess the good thing is that like, yeah, no, no one liked this. It didn't do very well. And uh, yeah, probably put a stop to the the reign of Stephanie Meyer. Thank God. Oh, what about the next movie? Two titles here. Oh, Christ. Oh, <laughs> Temptation. I, I have things to Confessions say. of right. a Marriage Counselor. L- let's talk about this cast. <laughs> All right. Ella Joyce, Brandy, Kim Kardashian, Vanessa Williams. Robbie Jones, Lance Gross, Journey Smollett. There she is again. All grown up now. In a Tyler Perry joint with no Medea and no Tyler Perry in the title. I think this is this highest grossing movie that he's not in. But it's also a super Christian after school special. Ugh. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's so 17 on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. So she's wants to be a marriage counselor. And then she... And she's married, but to a boring guy. And then she meets like a rich gadabout. And it's like, oh my God, are we getting into Fifty Shades territory where like the rich guy is going to be like, you're the most special of special person. And now I'm going to fulfill all your fantasies. But she cheats. And so bad things have to happen to her. So bad, bad things. And then in the end, they all pray about it. And it's better, but... But it's still bad. She has to pay, pay terribly. Also, there's with AIDS. Yes, <laughs> with AIDS. <laughs> yes, obviously. Yes. Even in the year of our Lord 2013, if you cheat on your husband, you, you, get AIDS. you have to get you have to get AIDS. Yeah, um, yeah, because you're you're bad. You sinned. You you did a bad thing. But the one thing is like. Part of her thing is like a matchmaker kind of service and they have like questionnaires, you know, to try to match people up. And none of the questions are about sex. And the guy points out, how come you don't have anything about people's sex lives on here? And she's like, well, because I'm a Christian, I don't believe in premarital sex. Well, unless you're running a Christian agency for (laughs) only other people who don't believe in premarital sex. You know what? No, because... You still want to be compatible sexually with someone, even if you don't fuck them before you get married. Mm. You still want to ask those questions, right? Rock, you suck at your job. <laughs> this was dumb. Yes. Uh, nominated for several Razzies, in fact. Well, I mean, they got to pick. If it's got a Kardashian in it, they got to pick on them. It's she like did the win. Yes. But Tyler Perry was nominated for director as <laughs> but, well. No, it, it, is, it is a Christian after school special. There is Boom. nothing fun about it at all. 
Boo. See, this is a fucking Boo. rough week. Why didn't I watch Place Beyond the Pines? Instead, I watched. You really, really should have. It's the only good one in here. Instead, I watched this. <laughs> Not even our next film. Awful fucking movie. Joseph <laughs> Mazzello. Again, look, look at this cast. And I arranged them specifically so we could talk about Jonathan Price and the Rizza being in a movie together. <laughs> With Sir Walton Goggins. <laughs> Joseph Mazzello, the kid from Jurassic Park. Yeah. And uh, Band yep. of Brothers. Ray Stevenson, Adrian uh, Palicki, Ray Park. Arnold Voslo, DJ Cortana, El- Elodie Young, uh, Bruce Willis, Dwayne Johnson, Channing Tatum. It's number one at the box office because people suck. Uh, G.I. Joe Retaliation. Okay, okay. which other of these films did you want to be first at the box office? Yeah, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I j- My order. G.I. Joes were terminated with extreme prejudice. We're all that's left. What if the president isn't the president? We are the only ones who can stop it. We do this or we don't come back. Change your retaliation. Uh, uh, Just because like (laughs) this, this is bad kind of on the level of core, Mm -hmm. but like. The effects are good, and there's a couple of decent action sequences in it, some decent effect sequences in it. This, this, all I had written down in my notes is a community style class. Dwayne Johnson, good or bad? I'm now <laughs> I can't decide, but because I ultimately think he makes the kind of movies that he likes, and I just don't like them as much as he does for the most part. Because this is fucking terrible, and the idea that they're re- they're rebooting GI Joe three years after. The blockbuster smash G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. Yeah. See, I I put Channing Tatum at the top of the cast list because that's how he appeared a lot of the time. But they are lying to you. They oh, are yeah. going to Janet Lee the shit out of the entire original cast on you. This movie mm-hmm. opens with all of your characters that you love getting fucking bragged. They have the gall. Like, no, no, we did that as a reference to the G.I. Joe movie. I'm like, you mean the movies where Hasbro canceled its toy line and traumatized children by having to go kill all their main characters that, like, no one repeated? That's what you were referencing in your blockbuster franchise? And, and like, much of the cast doesn't return. And uh, they, they it, it, this is just, like, the core is, like, following kind of a bad formula, whereas this is, like, what the fuck type of movie is this? And who is our villain? Okay. This is a movie... Based on a kid's cartoon, based on a toy line. From the 60s. What are your expectations, sir? I don't I, I don't know, because I guess there there's is some justice in the universe that the Hasbro connected universe still hasn't come to fruition. And they keep threatening it because they own all your favorite toys. You're going to have a potato head movie. Ooh, he's not going to have a gender. Be afraid. Uh, <laughs> Battleship and Transformers and G.I. Joe weaving in and out okay. of one another. They they need to just go freaking nuts. They need to have Mask fight the Micronauts yeah. and Rom <laughs> and Visionaries. Yeah. You know, all in one movie, you know, just say none of these are going to be a franchise on their own. Let's just throw them all together yeah, and see the what Centurions starts. in there. And the, 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 there was a really good comic from this. The Transformers versus the G.I. Joe. I remember someone reviewing oh. it said, this is the Citizen Kane of whatever this is. Like, this is very good. <laughs> <laughs> there have been amazing Transformer comics. There have been amazing G.I. Joe comics. There is no reason you cannot translate that goofy, goofy idea to film. But let's unpack the idea. 
what do you want in a G.I. Joe movie? It's got to be a group right. of soldiers who all have a gimmick. All have a gimmick. And I, and I, I, against a megalomaniacal maniac, right? And I, I if have, you have that, you have a G.I. Joe movie. I have that written down, like written down as in like, yeah, this does kind of deliver on anything you would want. Does it have cool vehicles? Yeah. The, the characters with their abilities? Yeah, it does that too. It's just not only near as colorful, but at certain points it forgets and just becomes a ninja movie. Even though those mm. sequences are cool, it just, it is all over the fucking place. Like this movie, yep. needlessly complicated. Yeah. To, to, to try and lend itself respectability when like no one's asking you to be respectable. We just want to go see a G.I. Joe movie on Friday. And I think that's what this movie's legacy is. Nostalgic people like, dude, we should go see the G.I. Joe movie. I want to show my kid the G.I. Joe movie. And you see them once and you talk. I never hear these movies talked about. I don't know anybody no. who loves these movies. Mm-mm. They made a shitload of money. I'm going to guess some of that is you know, the marketing machine and overseas stuff. It's mostly going to be overseas. People like big, crazy action. Mm. And that's, that's all you need. Bi- you know, big, expensive Hollywood. Do you even explosions. remember this is the middle of a trilogy? Yeah. It takes them, what, seven, eight years. To it's like almost a decade. Snake Eyes. To, yeah. yeah, to Snake well, Eyes. Isn't Snake Eyes like a flashback? Because it's like yeah. Snake Eyes Origins, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think so. <laughs> Which I didn't see. So this is the conclusion to the G.I. Joe trilogy and the prequel I see what comes <laughs> seven years later. God damn it, he's George Lucasing this whole thing up. Uh, but it's also not a I, sa- it's not a satisfying sequel if that's what you wanted either, because it just sort of like unceremoniously murders the main character, the main <laughs> character of G.I. Joe, and, and just gives it to the rock. Um it's just a rock movie yep. now. But yep. and then but then they bring in Bruce Willis, who's the original G.I. Joe. It's originally it, like every once in a while I'd look up and like, why is Bruce? Oh, right. Bruce Willis is here again. Like, uh, but barely, <laughs> barely. He's, yeah. I mean, th- th- there are so many goofy scenes in this. There is a scene <laughs> when the fake president of the United States invites <laughs> all the world leaders to an anti-nuke summit. He then launches his nukes mm-hmm. and every single world leader has the nuclear briefcase with them at the summit and they all simultaneously launch their nuclear weapons. And then the president (laughs) destroys all of his nuclear weapons in mid-launch so that everyone else, including North Korea, will destroy their own nuclear weapons in (sighs) mid-launch. It is... Uh... (laughs) And it has some of the more stupid scenes I've ever seen in my life. Like... What if the president wasn't the president? Like, what do you mean? Like, look at this photo. See how he holds his thumb over his finger? And then in this picture, he doesn't. And like, you're fired. Like, no, uh, take that shit to QAnon. No one wants to. How is this proof <laughs> of our international espionage group? <laughs> it's goddamn YouTube conspiracy. This, I, I, this might not be as bad as the core or mm. basic, but I hate it more. I hate Fair. it more. And I think I, I, I just... When I watch it, I never really loved G.I. Joe. I got a lot of G.I. Joe figures that did cool things that I eventually got bored with. They were the first toys I remember destroying. Like I would rip See, them apart. Me and... me and my friend, my best friend as a child, Zach, used to play with G.I. Joes all the freaking time. And we would come up with these elaborate scenarios. And I think they were about on the level of this film. Yeah. I think, you know, that's the, the, yeah. the, when we were eight, maybe nine, I think we came up with the plot to this film. I know there are hardcore fans of G.I. Joe, but I feel like, wasn't this embarrassing if you were fan of G.I. Joe? Was this not embarrassing? Is it, it makes me embarrassed to want things like this. And, mm. and, and it, it's, it's again, what do you want from a G.I. Joe? I know, Joe I know, I know. I just, it just, 
it was just there's something dull about it and so not fun. It, it I just really didn't like it. And like I love The Rock so much. Have loved him since he was just The Rock. But he, does he good or bad? <laughs> I don't. I can't tell anymore. I can't tell anymore after seeing like three movies of his this year. I can't tell. I can't tell. I, every time I watch him, like. You're acting like a bigger movie star than you are. You remember you were in Skyscraper in like Journey to the Center of the Earth. Like I, you, you just make a lot of movies. You, movies don't make a ton of money. You just make a ton of movies. Uh, what the fuck it confuses me? I swear to God, <laughs> we're gonna have to have a class. Rock good or bad? I can't. I love him, but like, God, is he a shitty sign of quality? The quality of a film. G.I. <laughs> Joe Retaliation yep. fuck this movie a reset that they end <laughs> that yep. they totally end fuck it, fuck it. Uh, moving on to television uh, we got the Phil Spector movie as part of like Al Pacino's deal with the devil with HBO or is it something different <laughs> yeah you know this is a very sympathetic to Phil Spector movie I feel like this is one of the last of the pre- Hashtag Me Too films. Mm. Mm. Yeah. We created the wall of sound. That should give him a couple of, uh, you know, assault. Murders. <laughs> Murders. Uh, yeah. I know. It's uh, yeah, Al Pacino, Helen Mirren is his, uh, is his attorney. Written and directed by David Mamet. What? So, yeah. Sympathetic towards women? Not really. <laughs> <sighs> it's fucking Mamet. The fuck you want? And uh, yeah, also, I think it's pretty good. It's just, it is weird to see like Al Pacino just playing every real person on HBO. Like, yes. Are you going through a phone book? What do you? So I, think, I, I remember now. He was Kevorkian and Paterno mm-hmm. as well. Yep. Like and like mm-hmm. that's like all I saw him doing for years. Also, if you got kids, Sid the Science Kid ends on PBS Kids. It's been on the air since two thousand eight. That's a good five years. Nice little show teaching kids science. Always good to have that type of show. It was uh, PBS branching out. They did a lot of motion capture to animate their. 3d characters and as a result the science kids walk in a way that's very unusual for animation (laughs) this week if you are watching or you're in britain or watching bbc america back before they reran star trek and terminator all day orphan black debuts which was a show i was truly blown away by but then i found out it's from this woman's performance what is her name uh Tatiana Maslany. Tatiana Maslany. Yeah. yeah, she's playing what uh, amnesiac clones of herself, and she's basically playing. Yeah, like, each clone has a different ideology. Yeah, she's playing just like at, even in the beginning, like four or five different characters, like to the moon and completely different from one another. And like this is a stand. And then once that novelty wears off, like oh, I think this sucks. <laughs> I think the story here is sort of sucks. And I and we I remember me and my girl, we were like captivated by it, but it was mostly her performance and then completely fell off and never got back into it. And I've never heard many people talk about sing its praises since then either. But let us know because maybe Orphan Black is worth getting into. Again, a laudable performance. And then lastly in TV, we got the How I Met Your Mother episode, The Time Travelers. Yeah, to me, this is one of the more depressing or realistic episodes of How I Met Your Mother. The thing I really liked about it in its final season is it was willing to let its protagonist age up, was Mm -hmm. willing to have them enter in a new phase of life. And Ted is having to realize that his friends 
have left his phase of life. Mm. You know, his best friend is married with a kids. He's still single. That is a huge roadblock to friendships. I can tell you from personal mm. experience yep. that that when, yep. when that happens, it's just like our lives are going in very different paths now. And it's very hard, not impossible, but very hard to keep I didn't even together. notice it until semi-recently. Like the people I'm close to all have one thing in common, like no kids or like had a kid super early and they're like, you know, they can bathe and feed themselves and drive. And those are the yeah. people I see. And, and I yeah, didn't and, even really yeah. notice that because I still try and keep in touch with my friends with kids, obviously. But like, uh, yeah, but my current circle in two states across the country, it's mostly no no kid town. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really liked how the TV show handled that because there's this really killer scene. Um, they're doing this thing called Robots and Wrestlers from five seasons ago where it's no matter what happens, we're always going to go see Robots and Wrestlers. And then Ted is debating with himself all throughout the episode about whether he's going to go. And that at the very end, it's revealed, Ted, you never went because everyone else was busy. You're just thinking back to a previous years when people weren't busy. What you're really doing is being all alone by yourself, seeing your friends move on oh. and away from you. And mm-hmm. it's a it's a gut punch. I mean, yeah, now that you say it like that, it does hurt a little bit, JR, but I guess we're talking about Ted. <laughs> Ted. Uh, Ted. Ted. We're talking about Ted. Ted. Ted, um, yeah, How I Met Your Mother. Your descriptions of it continue to surprise me for a show I thought was just a generic sitcom, and now it's entering do its like its office phase of yeah. going over every detail and highlighting scenes. Chris, do mm. my speed watch thing. Yeah. Get a list, 20 best episodes of How I Met Your Mother. Watch only that, and you're good. Hmm. I can do that while I play video games, maybe. Uh, speaking of which, let's move on to those, uh, video games of 10 years ago, because they are, they are all fucking kind of interesting. 10 years ago, March 24th to 30th, one of my favorite games on the DS, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, I think is the best Luigi's Mansion game that there be. Have you played the Switch one? Yeah. Oh, you think this is better than the Switch Yeah, one? I loved it for some reason, but it, it was definitely more self-contained and it has that portable charm. And I'm at this point I'm commuting two hours a day, but it okay. also had like barely ever worked that's nintendo but it had really fun multiplayer um that i'm sure you can't play anymore because i believe by the time this episode goes up 3ds eShop and all of its online interactivity will be gone forever 10 years though it's a good run it's a good run everything you know about luigi comes from the luigi mansion games he really had no personality except he could jump a little higher than mario that was it that was his only personality i feel like the Luigi Mansion games are the games that gave us and, and, the and, and, paper or not paper Mario, Super Mario. Just that gives him like he's a little bit more of a coward. Uh, yeah. He gets scared a lot easier. Like that, yeah, that comes from a lot of this. Yeah, and, and if but it's play, a fun it, game. It's got a great feedback loop of catching those ghosts. Oh, yeah, I love all awesome. the Luigi Mansion games. They're just good mind numbers. I never games, loved the first know? one, but I love this one and. The uh, speaking of a game I didn't love, but I think reviewed okay, the little franchise that couldn't, Army of Two, <laughs> the Devil's Cartel, and and this is also almost like if you're reading like what a marketing team wants a game to be. Army of Two was a game built around co-op, which the memo uh, co-op is great. I'm glad it exists. Before it was ubiquitous, people want cooperative games, and here you go, Army of Two. It says it on the box. That's what you do. You can play this with a friend, but you're playing this two people at a time. But 
it reviewed okay and never really caught hold, and it's EA, and they're quick to cancel series. So this is the final Army of Two game, The Devil's Cartel, on PS360. And then finally, ten I can't believe it's been 10 years since the last dun, entry dun, dun. In, in this game, uh, Bioshock Infinite, a game I go back and forth mm. between being dissatisfied with and hating. <laughs> and absolutely <laughs> hating. And I thought I remember... I thought I didn't go into it before the show, but like it was rumored people who played this game a month or two out, this game was changed to be very, very much shooter oriented and a lot less atmosphere and weirdness because the trailers promoting time riffs, I don't think that really panned out. Like you didn't really manipulate those at all. I thought it was a pretty boring shooter with minimal enemies, incredibly linear, not a ton of surprises and, and characters I didn't ultimately really care about. In a, in a setting, I thought I would. Instead of a colony under the sea, you get a fascist co- colony in the clouds, and you can skyhook around in between them. I thought it was mostly just a dull shooter, like uh, no real, no real charm outside of that. It seems to have big ideas that abandons because you know they're working for a big publisher. But uh, Bioshock Infinite, I know I'm not in the majority there. There's a lot of people who like this game. I think it's a pretty big disappointment in the Bioshock trilogy. But that is out 10 years ago. Um Is it a disappointment compared to the other BioShocks yeah. or on its own? Yeah. If yeah. it were if this were the first game in a series, what would you think of no, it? No, no, just because it's I think it's a it, it comes down to being kind of a dull sh- corridor shooter most of the time and all these mm. they promised a lot of time rip powers and like that didn't really happen. You slow down enemies. Like that's pretty much the extent of it like you're not if you don't remember the trailer because it blew people i like i heard of this as a member of the press someone getting off of a plane to see a private viewing of it and then there's a time rift and there's a movie theater marquee with revenge of the jedi you'll go into different dimensions where art you know is different and famous and outside of like a barbershop quartet singing the beach boys i don't like remember much of, and you find some old music transported to this different timeline but it doesn't figure into the gameplay it's just tertiary god i'm bad at describing games but bioshock if it is a game i haven't played in 10 years and really left a bad taste in my mouth and i'm i'm i hope for the best from those creators because i think the franchise is pretty dead it was kind mm. of a indie game made by a major studio and that doesn't make a lot of money right away and uh, we've never. I believe the studio, the creator, isn't even with the company anymore. So I don't know if we'll see any more Bioshocks. But we will tell you who died and do a little quiz. You can play along with on who lived during this period. But let us get out a couple of plugs. Listen to Laser Time. Support the Laser Time Patreon. Patreon.com/slash/LaserTime. Do appreciate all of you guys. There's a new episode of 80s in Depth about Psycho Two up. Psycho Psycho Two. I saw someone had just posted about that. I think it was a uh, Kyle. That movie deserves more love. And I'm like. If I could have been on that episode, I would assure you it happened and that it's happening. But there was um, love. There was love. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's interesting. It's it's not a meritless sequel. It's really cool. It doesn't go to like really try and remake it's the original. One of the ballsiest sequels I've seen. <laughs> really interesting. Yeah, it, it seemed to kind of like fry the franchise. Like uh try and like no, we're never doing anything other than this one. They would make four more. It's crazy. Um, and uh, yeah, patreon.com slash laser time. Listen to Video Game Apocalypse this week. I believe we'll be celebrating someone. We we mentioned John Wick. It's Lance Reddick. But um, yeah, someone we lost recently. And uh, talking, about, talking about some new games there with uh, Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Raparez, and Maddie Allen. Die, where can people find you at? Then you can find me on the Twitter at ListenerD, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show on 302010 Podcast. That's 302010 Podcast. Coming up, 
next week we've got oh we got a, a horror movie i'm not gonna watch because i'm a giant baby but um <laughs> well we talked about army of darkness a little while ago and we are rebooting slash remaking hey. that series in 2013 also colin farrell's gonna get stuck in a phone booth <laughs> and we also have the most successful show ever about cannibalism hey, hey. the okay. best scooby-doo show of all time ends Ooh. Mm. and i don't know the... i just started watching that more recent the scooby-doo and guess who that show's weird well you're gonna love velma the seen internet it. seems okay. to love it yeah no, I, I don't care about Velma, but yeah, Scooby-Doo and Guess Who, I think, is technically from 2021. And it's just like, yeah, it's Scooby-Doo and special guest star Steve Buscemi. <laughs> oh, like, okay. Special guest star Carol Burnett, and she wants to make a VR video game. Sure. That makes sense. I love the Scooby-Doo movie formula. It's fun. It's weird. And finally, we have the very first Simpson clip show ever. Ah. A contractually obligated show, which came back in the news recently because uh, there was some canon established in that that some of the writers seem to have forgotten. Die, who died during this period of 30, 2010? Well, uh, let's see. In 1993, we lost painter Richard Diebenkorn. I always say it wrong. Diebenkorn, who was 70. And then 2003 and 2013, we lost two absolute amazing oh. hey, it's that guys. Mm -hmm. In 2003, we lost Michael Jeter, who's only 52. I believe he died of complications of AIDS, but his partner said no. Oh. But he had already, you know, been public that he is HIV positive. Mm -hmm. But let's see. What's you know, Mr. The Green Fisher Beans? King? The Green Mile, the guy with the little with the mouse in the Green Mile. Yep. And he's on Sesame Street for a long time. That's true. He was uh, Mr. Noodle's brother, Mr. Noodle. Oh, okay. And uh, I please look up on YouTube. He won a Tony for the musical version of Grand, Grand Hotel. Mm -hmm. He does this number where like his legs got no bones. He is the rubberiest dancer and he's doing these high kicks like over his head. It's fucking great. <laughs> Love that so, guy. Yeah, my, Michael Jeter such a great hey it's that guy mm -hmm. and then in 2013 we lost richard griffiths who is six only 65 that guy was 65 his entire life <laughs> he's uh uncle monty and with nail and i he is uh the doctor in the wheelchair naked gun two and a half and but right. i think the vast majority of people know him as vernon dursley from the harry potter movies he had been around forever and he is so fun he kicked the like made sure to get all the all eight movies under his belt before for yep. parting our our realm but with that out of the way what happens gr it's time for the b -b birthday quiz oh birthday is a doodly do a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong do turning 60 born march 27th 1963 in knoxville tennessee the son of an inspiring actor who left the family before his son was born. Ooh, he was named in part after a Burt Reynolds character in the TV series Gunsmoke. Oh, shit. So it's not Sharky. <laughs> not Gator. It's not Gator. All right. <laughs> uh, at 14 years old, he wrote his earliest screenplay called Captain Peach Fuzz and the Anchovy Bandit. Based on the 1977 film Smokey and the Bandit. Wow. So Burt Reynolds is mm. dripping all over this, dude. That sounds like something Calvin was reading in Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> Films or TV shows he's been in that we've talked about include The Golden Girls, <sighs> The Muppets Wizard of Oz, Little Nicky, Girls 6, Desperado, 
I guess oh. we haven't talked about that one yet. Is it Quentin Tarantino? It is Quentin Tarantino. Oh. I was starting with the films he had cameos in, because if I started out with Reservoir Dogs, you'd have got it in one second. So, yeah. (laughs) Little Nicky. We all gonna die. Reservoir Dogs, From Dust Till Dawn, Jackie Brown, The Kill Bill films, Grindhouse, Django Unchained. Rumored to making his last movie is a movie about Pauline Kael. We'll see. It's it's everyone's last movie until they want to do another movie. I don't know. Yeah, but he's on such a roll of, you know, and then history changes at the end where it's based in reality and then something changes at the end. So I'm figuring this is about Pauline Kael and she's going to murder Edie Amin with a hammer at the end. (laughs) That's my plan. Because, like, you know, he's already, he's killed Hitler. He's killed the Manson family. Like, hmm, who should Pauline Kael kill? Mm. Pol Pot. George Lucas. Did not, yes. not a fan of Star Wars or Indiana Jones. So we answered that question. Uh, now the next question is, uh, how do we close out with Arrested Development, given that it might be leaving streaming services this week forever? <laughs> I mean, I'm the only one who seems to care about that, season four and five disappearing. Yeah, and then you can't see them anywhere? That's just I, well, I, Nobody That's... knows yet, but uh, one of the, I just looking into it, I didn't know... One of the best episodes of Rest of Development is Mother Boy, and that was a <laughs> boy and his mother pageant, not to be confused with the metal band Mother Boy. And that is a joke based on Arrested Development, the band suing Arrested Development, the show, for stealing their name. And I had no mm. idea that's what it was referencing. But Arrested <laughs> Development, great uh, group out of the early 90s. And Mr. Wendell is one of the fucking coolest songs ever. I love a good story yeah, song. So, so cool. And then like listening to it again and being like, how, how is this in the top 10? Yeah. I mean, it's got it's got an amazing groove, but it's a song about a homeless guy, but it's not about pitying him. It's about like... No, he's right about a lot of shit. Yep. He's a human, but not by law. And yeah, the cops are always hassling him and that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he should Go just get to do Mr. what he Lindholm. wants. It's, it's a surprisingly it. positive pop song on a kind of a morbid subject. But hey, this is the era for that. The rest of development. I had this album. Uh, so, yeah. Patreon.com slash laser time. Tell a friend about the show. We'll see you next week. That's his name. No one ever knew his name because he's a no one. Never thought twice about spending on an old bum until I had the chance to really get to know one. Now that I know him, to give him money isn't charity. He gives me some knowledge. I buy him some shoes and I think blacks spend all their money on big colleges. Still, most of y'all come out confused. Go ahead, Mr. Wendell.